1. Palmyra Atoll, Part 1. When I was a little kid, I imagined teleporting to an island, all to myself, where I could play in perfect blue water, build the gigantic treehouse like Swiss Family Robinson, and run through the hot, endless fields of ripe pineapples with no one there but my German shepherd. It was nothing but a childhood fantasy, but this idea of running away to make something your own was a reality for eons. That desire, that need to run away is still in our DNA. There is a tiny cluster of islands, an atoll simmering in the Pacific sun, just north of the equator. 1,100 miles south-southwest of Honolulu, in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Since their creation, they've remained hidden behind a gigantic, impenetrable reef, protecting it from all outsiders. And if this atoll were a fortress, and its reef its walls, then the dark, silvery torpedoes darting just beneath the surface are its sentries. And this atoll has remained there since its creation, through all of history, just waiting. June 14th, 1798. Edmund Fanning of Stonington, Connecticut, captain of the sailing ship Betsy, was headed to Asia on a trading mission. He had just explored a group of islands in Kiribati that still bear his name and was now on a course through the Pacific. Their voyage had, surprisingly, been a pleasant one so far, with a fresh supply of coconuts in their hull and a cheerful cacophony of tropical birds to keep them company. The trip had been more like a pleasure cruise than what it actually was, a serious commercial undertaking. That is, until something strange happened. One night, Fanning retired to his cabin at the usual time, 9 p.m. But near 10, he found himself standing wide awake on the deck, not knowing how he had gotten there. Surprised and embarrassed to be on deck in his nightclothes, and after exchanging a few words with the commanding officer on duty, he retired again to his cabin, thinking how strange it was. He had never known himself to sleepwalk before in his life. Suddenly he was on deck again, the glittering stars overhead, an ocean breeze whipping at his face. Not more than 20 minutes had passed. The officer on duty was greatly bewildered to find him there again and inquired about the captain's health. Perhaps to save face, Fanning asked about the heading of the ship and the visibility as well as the weather. The officer observed that it was a little hazy, but he could still see clearly about a mile or two, and he was sure to change the watch out every half hour. Satisfied, Fanning again went below and back to bed. He remarked later, There was something very singular in all of this, and with a strange sensation upon my mind, 
after what had passed, I again returned to my berth. Then, to his astonishment, he again found himself on deck, this time fully dressed and with his hat on. This time, he sprung into action. The ship was under full sail and going five or six miles per hour. He began barking orders at the officer on duty, commanding him to take in most of the sails and to begin tacking every half hour and to pass the orders on to the officer who would relieve him at midnight so that they would loosely maintain their position instead of continuing any further. They were to do this until the captain came back at daylight. The night officer hesitated at this, rightfully questioning Fanning's state of mind. Fanning assured him that he was in perfect control, that he could sense something was not right even though he wasn't sure what it was. Satisfied that his commands would be obeyed, the captain again retired to his cabin around 11 p.m. and slept soundly. He came back to the deck at daybreak. The ship was filled with the typical hustle and bustle of maintaining a ship at sea, washing the decks, organizing sails and lines. Even the watchman had been called to help on some task when Fanning decided to walk the deck himself. He peered out at their leeward, not expecting to see anything, but the expansive Pacific Ocean all around him. But that's when everything came into focus. He spotted gigantic breaking waves directly ahead of him. Instantly, Fanning ordered them to change course, right as calls of breakers, breakers ahead, were shouted by the watch. The sailors scrambled to perform the maneuver as the roar of the breakers could now be heard. The Betsy slowly turned. Even in the midst of this chaos, the night officer approached Fanning, remarking how incredible it was that not more than a half an hour longer on their course the previous night, and they would have surely been destroyed on the reef. If it had not been for the captain's premonition and orders to tack during the night. At this point, the whole crew understood the narrowness of their escape from doom. They gathered on deck and watched the breakers somberly as they slid to the north, contemplating their fates. The night officer took the glass aloft, describing the obstacle as a crescent-shaped reef with white shoal waters and not a spit of land being visible. Fanning later recounted, I freely confess that this premonition, so unusual, and the transactions therewith connected are deeply impressed upon my mind as evidence of the divine superintendence and will ever remain so firmly imprinted, how could they otherwise be, as never to be erased. Bearing away on their course around the reef, Captain Fanning himself went aloft and with the glass claims that he could plainly see an island above a reef far in the south. He wished to explore it, but couldn't justify such a dangerous undertaking after what they had just experienced, and instead decided to set a new course on a more traveled path to Asia. The reef in Captain Fanning's account would become known as Kingman Reef, and Fanning believed the island he spotted far to the south that day was the atoll that would one day bear the name Palmyra. and the bizarre episode he experienced on the Betsy would become one small piece of the hypnotic, almost supernatural power that surrounds that small, 
mysterious bit of land in the South Pacific Ocean. To be continued. This is The Island Podcast.